Well, welcome back to The Faith Awakens, Episode 6, Return of the Podcast, is what I'm going to call this, even though we've only been gone for a week. Um, So it's good to be back, and I'm, of course, Father Tom Hennon, Chaplain and Director of Campus Ministry here at St. Ambrose University, joined by... Your good pal... That was a terrible intro. Okay. Uh, your friend, I would like to say, your virtual friend, student Megan Grady. We're we're still uh, You're my real friend, here. but only virtually accessible. Yeah. Right, so, right. Yeah. You can't really, this is irrelevant to our listeners right now, but uh, we're on a Zoom call. Father Tom and I decided to meet via Zoom and also record this because uh, we had trouble cutting each other off when we were talking, so... It's also it's so irrelevant to people listening, but so that we got our signals be down here, Meg. If you really want to say something, like wave your hand furiously yeah, or point at I yourself, think, and I'll do the same, right. and that way we'll know. Okay, I gotta let my, Meg cut in there, and vice versa. So exactly, great. if you hear any rustling, that's probably me or Father Tom uh, waving our hands at each other. So I thought um, for the podcast this week that we might just start with um, always have fun to have something a little lighter and then get into something a little bit more serious. Uh, So on the lighter side of things, just kind of catch up a little bit what's new in your life from quarantine, as it were, as a student, Uh, what's new going on uh, with me here at Campus Ministry at St. Ambrose, anything exciting or fun that you've done um, or been able to do in the last week. Um, any great, like, food triumphs, like food hacks, like figured out, oh, this is the best thing ever that I learned to do this week, or I discovered this food that I never knew about before until all of this happened and now I love it, that kind of thing. So we can kind of start there. And then one of the things that we want to talk about on the podcast today that we thought would be cool for our listeners, especially for those who know St. Ambrose so well, um, and that is Father Ed Kaddish, who was the founding uh, member of the, or the founder of the art department here on campus, and of course a very famous artist in his own right, and uh, very well known for his art, especially on campus, but really elsewhere too, throughout the diocese of Davenport, I know at least. So, um, so yeah, let's start with the what's new. What's new in your world, Meg? Um, well, still in quarantine, which is good. I hope everyone listening uh, is taking this very seriously and staying home as. Um, and to be clear, we're not like in quarantine, able. like a 14-day quarantine, that kind of, but like self-isolation, yes. basically, trying yes. to be good citizens. Right. And, yeah, gotcha. Um, but I'm from a pretty small town, so it really hasn't hit us hard, but a lot of people are staying home. Um, I'm thankful that I'm a runner, so I can still run um, by myself or with my family. They've been biking with me. Um, but the other day, I went, I was, I really didn't want to run like at all, even though it was nice out, I just didn't want to get out the door. So I made the Snapchat videos of me going around town and uh, giving things in my town, like five star reviews, like on a scale, just like rating them. Um, <laughs> and I think I'm going to try and do that every week. So that's something that I've been doing. That's also lame, but that's, that's not lame. That is really clever and creative. That's very cool. I like it. Mm-hmm. Thank you. you. May what about you? a whole bunch of people to do the same thing. I don't know. Who knows? So yeah, some of my teammates have been doing it. So that's okay. Fun. okay. But what about you? What have you been doing? Um, well, like on a work side of things, in some ways, I've been telling people I feel almost as busy as before, but in different ways. A lot more of this kind of virtual stuff. A lot more emails. A lot more virtual meetings, Zoom meetings, WebEx meetings, all of those kind of things. Um, so, but. 
keeping busy. My evenings are a lot more open because usually I was doing campus ministry stuff in the evenings uh, with students, and there's not as much of that. Um, interestingly, I thought this would be interesting to share with folks. Uh, so this past weekend on Saturday, we actually had two weddings in the chapel um, that were basically just the wedding party and me, you know. And in the first uh, instance, uh, it was a couple that had been planning for this uh, wedding. And, you know, of course, their their reception venue canceled and all of that kind of stuff. And they're going to hold their reception a year from now on the on the eve of their first anniversary, which I think is really cool. Um, So that was really neat. But I was just so happy for them and proud that they still wanted to do this, even with all of the restrictions in place, knowing that it would just be basically me, the two of them, two witnesses, and the videographer who was live streaming it uh, for their friends and family who could not be there. But it just was such a testament that this is the important thing, that they get married, not... And what a story they're going to have for their children and grandchildren to say that they were married in the great pandemic of 2020, and they had to be married in basically a private ceremony uh, in the chapel. But it was beautiful, and it really went wonderful, and I'm so glad they did it. So that was kind of like a a bright spot, actually, some good news and kind of heartening in the midst of all of this. and then the, the second wedding was, was already going to be a pretty small wedding. Anyhow, a situation where uh, uh, an alum who was a, a widower was remarrying, and it was going to be a small uh, a wedding as it was anyhow, and a different priest actually came in to officiate for that one. But still, good news and, and you know, kind of a bright spot in the midst of all of this. And, and kudos to those couples willing to work with these restraints that were under ministerially in terms of numbers and things. So, but that was good. Um, also, work-wise, and I, you know, this had been out in the Catholic Messenger, and it uh, was out in our campus ministry bulletin, but July 1st, I have uh, a new job in addition to my current job, so I'm not leaving as chaplain of the university. I will still be chaplain here at St. Ambrose, but starting July 1st, I'll also be the vicar general for the diocese, um, which is kind of like, mm, kind of like the the bishop's chief deputy, kind of, you know, so working a lot more with the bishop, and uh, it'll mean having an office in both places, and there's some logistics to figure out on both ends, and probably some restructuring that'll happen here at campus ministry, and so, I mean, it is a it is a big responsibility, and I am very honored. Um, I'm also very scared, frankly. Um, there's a lot that I will have to learn, and as I was explaining to someone else today, the meetings that I'll have to attend will increase in number a lot, and they will range from boring to soul-crushing is what I'm told to expect. So, um, Oh, my gosh. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe they'll be hopeful, yeah. joy-filled, kind of mission-oriented, looking at the future of the diocese and being excited about evangelization, and I hope that that will be there, and that's certainly where I want it to be, and I think where Bishop wants it to be. But, you know, as with any organization, and particularly in the church, there's just, you know, business that has to get done, and there's difficult situations to deal with, and I'll be uh, involved with that a lot more. So that's really kind of big news on, on my end, at least from the work front. But Congrats. Well, thanks. Yeah. Like, What's the yep. title? What's the title? A Vicar General. So I'll be a Vicar Ooh, General. That's a cool name. That sounds like an outer it space cool deputy. <laughs> Um, doesn't come with pay raise, so uh, but that's oh. because all of the priests, including the bishop in a diocese, are paid the same anyhow. So, bet you didn't know that. <laughs> so, um, on a more fun side of things, I have been um, with some of my priest friends that would normally get together and play board games and whatnot. We've mm-hmm. been doing some some role playing games um, uh, from our own homes 
logging in on our computers using a software with that, and that's been a blast. So it doesn't take that yeah. much away from the experience. You can still talk to each other in real time. Uh, the the app that we're using for this, our, our DM who's leading us through the adventure can throw up pictures and say, okay, you see this, and then can kind of give us some little instructions or give character names and things like that of people that we're running into. So that's been cool. And then I, I kind of perused my uh, game collection, and I found all of the games that I have that can actually play solo. And there were about three of them. And one of them in particular I'll give a shout-out to, because uh, if you can get your hands on it right now, uh, is a game called Legacy of Dragonhold, put out by Fantasy Flight Games. And it's basically a, uh, a more complicated, more involved choose-your-own-adventure story. But I've really been enjoying that. I've been... So you you create a character, and you walk them through this adventure, which is all laid out for you in the books that they have. And each adventure, you know, each night it'll tell you this adventure should take 45 to, you know, 60 minutes or 50 to 80 minutes. So you can kind of time out how much of those will will take. I mean, ideally it would be better with a group of four or five, six people. But it plays okay solo. So I've been doing that on my own time a little bit. Yeah, and you uh, sent me a text yesterday. Yes. Um, I'll just read this text that Father Tom sent me yesterday at 6 o'clock p.m. It was a picture of his dining room table (laughs) with all his games uh, and his laptop set up, and it says, headset, check, character sheet, check, dice, check, beverage and snack, check, campaign notes, check, trusty Jesus is the reason pencil, check, ready for Sunday night role-playing. And honestly, I just, I could, I had no words. I sent a gift that says, I'm ready to party. Because that's what I believe that Father Tom was ready to do. Oh, yeah. We had a blast. We, we were able to actually finish one segment of our adventure last night. It was, it was great fun. So, and uh, we've, we've been getting together sometimes on Sunday nights, but usually later, because usually I have a 6.30 p.m. mass in the chapel, so I can't get together right. until after that mass is over. Um, but it's been nice to still get together virtually, at least, with that group and play through those adventures. Uh, what about any, any like great food discoveries or things you've been enjoying from uh, that perspective? Um, well, I have been eating a lot of uh, mac and cheese spirals, um, which I think is the superior craft mac and cheese uh, mm-hmm. version. Um, but besides that, I've been eating a lot of avocados, just like whole avocados. Like I just buy myself, um, which okay. I think is weird and kind of sad, but that's what's just been bringing me joy. I really like avocados. I think you like what you underrated. like. Are yeah, you into this whole hipster trend of avocado toast? No, I like, I, that's the thing. Like I'm, I like that, but I don't eat that. I literally just eat the avocado. I That's like weird, avocados, I do, but I normally like them with something, like on a salad or no. with, or made no. into guacamole or something. No. Well, maybe I need to rediscover the avocado. It's so good. So. Okay, I don't want to hype it up because it might only be good for me, but it's very good. What about you? Uh, my food hacks lately or kind of things I've discovered, I, um, I'm, not, not, I'm not usually much of a sweet tooth, um, but I did, you know, anticipating Easter a little bit and kind of slackening a little bit on my um, Lenten resolutions. I did pick up some some cookies at the grocery store on my my rare run to the grocery store, and I discovered the mint Oreos, and I like them. I like them. I like Mm -hmm. mint. I like chocolate. It's Mm -hmm. great. Yeah, so I'm a fan. Nope. I understand there's a pretty hard division on this. I'm I'm a purist. 
Okay. Yeah. The other thing, food-wise, um, I, I managed to pull together a tuna noodle casserole out of nothing just from what I had in the cupboard, cupboard a couple days ago or a week ago. It was on a Friday during Lent, of course. I'm like, what, what do I have to eat that's not doesn't have meat? And I was pretty impressed because I had to substitute things. You know, I had to figure out, okay, I don't have this, so I'll use this instead. And it really turned out pretty dang good, I have to say. Um, then my other favorite, this is like all year round food hack, not just a, a self-isolation thing or a, um, a Lenten thing, but I'll always buy a bunch of bananas and inevitably about two of them will not, won't get eaten before they get riper than I would like them to be. So I've learned to peel them, freeze them, put them in the freezer, and then I take them out after they're good and frozen and I put them in a um, food processor and it basically makes banana ice cream. Like the, the, the texture of it is like ice cream. And then I put like some walnuts in there and a little chocolate sauce on. And it's like my own, my own homemade chunky monkey ice cream. And <laughs> it does everything I want ice cream to do. It's sweet. It's cold. It's, it's smooth. Um, but I'm basically just eating a banana with a few nuts on it and a drizzle of chocolate sauce. Great. Yeah. I don't really like banana ice cream, so I don't think I would like that. You've told me this before. I don't. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I, I like the name it. Chunky Monkey, though. That's kind of funny. Oh, I didn't come up with that. That's That's Ben and Jerry's. Oh, oh yeah. never mind. Yeah. Um, okay, well, um, so let's talk a little bit about this character, Father Kaddish, who is well known to Ambrosians because he was, as they say, the um, the, the founder of the art department here. His artwork is very distinctive, um, very recognizable. Um, he did. A, he worked in a lot of different media, but uh, the the media that he's really particularly known for is this etched slate. Um, so taking like slate, just like you have at a chalkboard, basically, um, and carving into that the figures, uh, and then painting that or gilding that in some way. Um, and so like the Stations of the Cross um, here in the chapel at Christ the King Chapel at St. Ambrose, which we've been featuring on our Stations of the Cross on, on uh, Fridays during, during Lent, um, are, are a great example of that. And he's done other stations um, in other parts of the diocese that I've seen in other churches. Um, and, of course, the other distinctive feature, other than just the media that this is etched slate, is that he's always kind of putting Jesus or the other biblical characters that he's depicting in kind of contemporary dress and contemporary settings, and so that is very distinctive of his style. So so for a, I think it was for a history class, right, Meg? You had to do, like, some hardcore research on this guy. So I did. what did you learn about Father Kaddish? What should we know about yeah. Father Kaddish? Um, well, I do. I'll just do some, like, early life stuff because it's pretty interesting, like, um, just his early life. Uh, he was orphaned actually at a young age. Um, him and his uh, brother and sisters were uh, orphaned at a young age. And then he was an apprentice as a sign writer, which, uh, like you just talked about, he did a lot of uh, calligraphy um, and just a lot in that media. So that kind of prepared him for that. Um, he actually obviously went to St. Ambrose, uh, which I thought was interesting. He got his master's at the University of Iowa, so still very local. And then he actually studied in the Pontif... Is it Pontifical? Pontifical. This is actually my alma mater. He went to the same school I went to. Did he really? The Pontifical Gregorian University. Um, so he would have been a seminarian at the North American College in, in Rome. But the university where he's actually taking his classes is the Pontifical Gregorian University, which is the Jesuit 
university, originally the Roman college founded by St. Ignatius of Loyola, so, um, and run by the Jesuits to this day. So, yeah. Yeah, so that's very cool. Um, But yeah, he was known, like, everyone should go Google just Father Kadich, just type that into Google, and go to the images, because you look at this guy, this guy, I would hang out with him. He seems like a cool guy. He's always got these cool hats. I don't know how you describe them. I'm, like, doing a visual here, but then I'm like, oh, we're on a podcast, so this doesn't really help. But, uh, yeah, just, just Google him. He's He was known for being a really creative, involved art professor. Um, he prided himself on cooking for his students on occasion, which I think is awesome. Um, just shows how tight he was with um, his students. And then he was also involved uh, with the band on campus and directed some mm-hmm. of the band ensembles. So he was a very well-rounded individual. Well, as um, I recall, he spent some time with, like, a traveling band after high school. Yeah. Um, that he yeah. kind of toured the country with this six-member band. And I can't remember if he played trumpet or what instrument he played. But, I think it uh, was trumpet. I think yeah. it was trumpet. It was like a jazz, jazzy band. Yeah. yeah. Which is so, awesome. We were talking with um, Dave Baker, who is kind of recording us and helps us with this podcast before, and he was sharing story that he was always someone who always had, you know, multiple things going all the time. And to look at pictures of him in his studio, you see that, like, he's just got piles of stuff everywhere. And he's, he's constantly, you know, probably one of these people whose mind was always working on, oh, I could do that. Oh, I could do that. Having stuff that was half started and stuff that was in process. And, you know, I'm thinking of this, like, etched slate, how many piles of broken slate he must have had. Yeah. Where, you know, if he was just not quite delicate enough, that stuff would crack easily, you know, um, all of those kind of things. And as you mentioned, he liked to cook for his students. And, and Dave was sharing with us that he liked to, uh, he, he experimented a, a little bit with a lot of people at, at the time, apparently, that would try to do these meals that you could do under the hood of your car while you were driving long distances. <laughs> so, like, put a roast in there and drive to go see someone. And by the time you get done, it's finished. Um well, that's interesting. <laughs> I would never, well, you wouldn't be able to fit a roast under the hood of a car today, and it probably wouldn't produce the kind of heat that you would need today uh, to cook a roast. Yeah. But um sounds like, from all accounts, uh, you know, a characterful priest uh, and an artist. Um, I will, so this is a big uh, confession uh, as a, as an Ambrosian, as an alum of the university, and as the present chaplain and kind of caretaker for Christ the King Chapel. I like Father Kaddish, and I like his fa- I like his work, his artwork, and some of it I think is absolutely wonderful and beautiful and and stunning. Um, but I will say, I am not in that camp of people that like gushes over his particular style or thinks, ah, oh, this is the best thing ever. I know my own kind of tastes are probably tend more toward the traditional or more kind of classical forms of, of art. And so that kind of um, that kind of statement that he's making, especially by kind of mixing the contemporary with the with the sacred, doesn't always speak to me or it doesn't always like, oh, I, you know, and that's just, you know, everybody has different tastes. And and I know I know brother priests and other people in the diocese that that, like I say, absolutely love everything Father Kaddish ever did. And I also know priests that like, wouldn't hang anything that he had done on their walls because they don't like that style of art whatsoever. I'm kind of safely in between where I, I do like it. I appreciate it for itself in the same way that I like modern art and I like classical art. And I don't think you have to choose between those two. Um, yeah. I like them both. So um, I definitely appreciate his effort to try to make the sacred, the holy relevant today. And that's why he's got all of these kind of contemporary settings. So 
Um, yeah, what I mean, what struck you about the artwork itself, maybe when you first saw it, when you maybe probably when you first came to campus as a student and you saw the Stations of the Cross on a campus tour or something like that? How how did that strike you? Yeah, um, I guess when I came here, I know they say on the I think they said on my tour, they're like, oh, yeah, Jesus is wearing jeans in this like station. And he kind of is. He's wearing, it's like the outline of blue. Yeah. Um, that was kind of his, his style, but I guess it didn't really, I didn't really look at the art in Christ the King Chapel until I did this project. Um, because I worked with a lot of his holy cards, which we actually have in Christ, yeah. the, or we have in the lower chapel, mm-hmm. um, which I would plug to go get some, but that's impossible. But when we come back, well, when this is all over and we come back, come and get holy yeah. cards. We have them a plenty. Uh, Cause they're the, they're the coolest. But, um, I think growing up. Uh, and seeing only kind of one portrayal because I was from such a small town. There was really only one um, like style, I guess you would say of um, Jesus and the saints and the Holy family and stuff. It was cool. Like you said, to have an option to look at a different style and that that was even like an option you could look at. Like he put that out there for people to say like, okay, you can look at this. But you can look you can look at both of these and see how that resonates with you in different ways. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and of course, not only the blue jeans, but Jesus is depicted, and most of his depictions of Jesus has clean shaven, you know, and yeah. that's not. It's interesting in classical art, though, in some of those earliest depictions of Jesus, and probably this is reflective of Roman culture once Christianity kind of uh, got to Rome and began to expand because of the Roman Empire. A lot of early depictions of Jesus were also clean shaven, or depictions of the Good Shepherd, who was supposed to be a type of or image of Jesus, also depicted clean shaven. Um, so that, but that strikes people always. Uh, the other thing I find interesting in those stations, uh, like the first station when Jesus is condemned by Pilate, Pilate is is wearing like a business suit. Um, and you know that yeah. these stations were kind of made for this context of a university setting. You would think, man, Pontius Pilate looks like he could be the dean of students or the president yeah. of the university or something yeah. at that time, you know, someone official that has power over him, you know. Um, and so that's kind of cool. Or the third station, Jesus falls the first time. There's a photographer there with like one of those old timey cameras taking a picture right. of him. And especially today, as we think of like um, media culture and paparazzi and all of this kind of stuff. Yeah, that's what would be happening. If Jesus was a, yeah. like a superstar today, there would be people waiting to capture him in his demise, you know, waiting to capture him fall, literally, um, in this case. And, and why? So kind of the his humility is 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 even more shown through that you know that here's this photographer yes we know it's not contemporary to Jesus's time we know this is anachronistic but it's it's to make a point that Jesus was humiliated right so yeah. I, I think that's cool. Other depictions of the stations that I've seen, I know, I think it's at the chapel at Regina High School um, in Iowa City, similar Kaddish stations, etched slate, and um, a lot of like the guards, like the Roman centurions, what would be the Roman centurions, are depicted as communist guards with like a red star on their hats, you know. And of course, a lot of the work he's doing is in the heart of the Cold War. Um, and so, again, he's making that that contemporary situation, um, he, you know, relating it back to the story of, of Jesus and, and getting us to make that connection. So I think that's cool. Yeah. And laudable. There's, there's one, uh, 
when you're talking about the camera and stuff, there's one holy card that I think is just kind of clever. Um, it's St. Paul, and it he's like a salesman. Yeah. And he's like, and I just think that's such a cool way to look at St. Paul and what he did for the church, teaching, like, the gospel for the... I know um, the one you're talking about, yeah. That yeah, cool. I it's just clever. Like, oh yeah, that's a good that's a good comparison. But yeah. No, of course, I, his, his calligraphy is amazing too, and you see that on a lot of the signage here on campus. Um if not done by himself, by students of his, if there are pieces that have been done after he had passed away in nineteen seventy nine. But um and a, a lot of that calligraphy, this is a cool story too. So when he was studying in Rome he was able to get up close and personal to Trajan's Column, which is in a Trajan's Market just down the road from the Forum and just down the road a little bit further from the uh, Colosseum. And he was actually able to do like chalk rubbings of of the uh, of the the calligraphy on this Roman column um, yeah. that was uh, in honor of of Emperor Trajan and. and I don't know what kind of access or permission he had to get to do that when he was a student then. I would imagine the red tape to be able to do that now would be immense if yeah. you would even be allowed no. to go up there and you touch wouldn't it even get that get close a rubbing. To it. Yeah. Probably not. Probably not. So the, and but you know, that lettering that is so iconic that we use here on, on campus, as I understand it, really comes from there. So there's this cool connection to to Rome yeah. uh, again through his education there and the calligraphy that he learned. And there's a copy of that that he produced on, I think it's the third floor of the library. I think you are right. Yeah, I have seen yeah. that. So students, when you return to campus, when you're able to, go check out the third floor of the yeah. library and uh, check that stuff out. So he is truly, you know, a, a great in, in terms of um, art and um, being so well known, uh, not just to our community, but really uh, had had uh, recognition around the country, if not the world, uh, for some of his art. So there's a lot of great characters like that um, that we have in our history as Ambrosians, which is something we should be proud of. So, And, yeah, and, and one I, day, someone on a podcast or whatever they're calling them then in the future will be talking about, oh, Meg Grady was this fantastic oh, yes. student that went to St. Ambrose University and was an innovator in something. So. Well, Wow, I'm sad you can't to be determined. Yet to be determined. Everything, everything. <laughs> yep. No, uh, yeah, before we finish up on Father Cadditch, I just have some quotes uh, oh, yeah. from him that I would like to share. Um, they're very funny and very quirky, I think, right. um, just as he was. So the first one is, sweat between the ears. Take that okay. as you will. Um, it is a poor craftsman that blames his tools. Mm. I think... We That's can learn good. all learn something there. Yes. Um, don't you don't herd hogs with your hands in your pockets. Yep. And uh, flattery, like perfume, is to be smelt, not swallowed. <laughs> so there you go. There's some wise words from Father Caddish himself. The wisdom of Father Caddish lives on. That's cool. Very good. Well, it's been great to talk to you again this week. I have been kind of keeping tabs on uh, our numbers for who's listening or how many people are listening to the podcast, and I think it's starting to creep up there again, you know? So, yeah. of course, there's a lot more listens to the first episode, which makes sense. That's where you would want to start. Um, but the fact is uh, other people are starting to listen to those other episodes, and I'm getting a lot of positive feedback. I hope you are, too, um, yeah. from fellow students and others. So. 
Cool. That's great. Tell your friends. <laughs> yes, tell all your friends about The Faith Awakens. All right, Meg, well, we probably better wrap it up, um, but I hope you have another great week, and uh, we'll, we'll be back next week with uh, Episode 7. Until then, that's your line. <laughs> May the faith be with you. And with your spirit. I always forget it. That's okay. okay. Take care, <laughs> See you folks. See next week. Bye-bye.